Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and beavers wondering if their dental is covered under Obamacare. Live from the second floor of Wells Hall on the Michigan State University campus in East Lansing, Michigan, it's Thursday at 3 o'clock and time for Tea with BBP. Hey, everybody out there. I'm your host, BBP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten. Yes, I do have a name, not just initials. I'm your international superstar and diva of SLA. With me in the studio are who else but Walter Hopkins and Angelica Kramer. Yay, say hi. Hello, everybody. Hello. Okay. First, I have to thank Darren, one of our super fans. You know I have to thank Darren? Oh, I think I just heard it. Yeah, with that joke about the beavers and uh-huh. Obamacare, the dental and Obamacare. That was Darren. I sent that, that joke in on a, on a meme, which we'll talk about later. But oh. Yeah. So, so that was a really good joke, Darren. So thank you for that. I took it. I used it. Maybe we should have a, co- a future contest. People can send me lines to use in the opener. Maybe we'll do that in a future I contest. I like it, yeah. Yeah. So Darren would have been the first official winner of that. So we'll do that. We'll have a contest, and we'll see what lines we get to start using in the opening like that. Whose but, line is it anyway? Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, did you well played, ever watch well that played. show? Uh, not much. Is I that mean, the I one, have seen it. Is but. that the one of the comics where they used to, like, uh, pop, improv? Improv. Yeah. And do, yeah, yeah. I remember Wayne Brady used to be on that, and I forget who else. Oh, yeah. I would have done well on that show. Drew you know. Carey on it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, my gosh. I'm get, I, get, I just got a, I got a frog in my throat. Speaking of animals and beavers, it's a cookie, cookie, cookie. <laughs> Anybody out there know what a cookie is? Walter, tell them what a cookie is. Well, it makes a funny noise. No, but tell it's them what a cookie it's is. It's a little bitty frog that... Uh, From where? Puerto Rico. There you go. That, you have to uh, contextualize these things. I, I, I was Your input there. is not comprehensible. I was getting there. <laughs> Your input is not comprehensible. <laughs> anyway. You're taking too long to get there. This is an hour show, Walter, and I'm getting okay. old. Okay. I'm done talking. Now. All right. Thank you very much. All right. And treatment. today... Today is, guess what? Cinco de Mayo. And I'm putting this music on to celebrate my heritage. (laughs) This is the kind of music I grew up with, this in Motown. So Cinco de Mayo, get your margaritas on for those of you who partake of the spirits. Walter's got one here in his little Starbucks cup. He doesn't fool me. Right. I know it's not lemonade. (laughs) And in honor of today, I have replaced the Diva Quiz with a Cinco de Mayo quiz. Oh, that's yeah. so good. So you can take the SLA Challenge quiz or you can take the Cinco de Mayo quiz. So all you Spanish teachers out there and or fellow Latinos like me, don your chinas poblanas, put on a canciones de mi padre that we're listening to right now, and call in for the Cinco de Mayo quiz. It's easy. You'll win a prize. You'll get some tea with BBP swag. It's too bad we're not an adult show. We could have tequila with BBP, but, well, we can't do that. Oh, well. Okay. Um... There goes my throat again. So um, we had a meme contest. Did you guys hear about the meme contest? No, we knew nothing about it. What, we had a meme contest? (laughs) We had one. We had one. Yeah, we had one. Yeah. Hmm. Um, And so we're going to get to that in a little while because we have some winners, and we're going to announce that. Did I say winners or did I say wieners? I hope you said winners. Winner. I hope I said winners, too. I don't know why I have hot dogs in my mind. I don't know. Because they're delicious. I don't eat hot dogs, though. I don't know. I've had something about hot. I don't know. Oh, I know what it was. There was a, I was thinking about Jeff Maloney. My My Maloney Maloney has a first first name. name. It's J-E-F. And Oscar Mayer also does hot dogs. See how my mind works? I tell you. It's beautiful. I need new mood elevators. Something's going on. Anyway. So, so Cinco de Mayo. We have a quiz about Cinco de Mayo. And Walter, do you celebrate Cinco de Mayo in your house? Sure. No, you do not. I had I tacos for dinner last night. Did you see night. that? Did you see that? I'm <laughs> tacos. 
You didn't get them from Taco Bell, did you? No, no, I oh, made them. Thank you, my gosh. You made tacos last night? And mm-hmm. you didn't invite us? I know. Unreal. I know. Sorry. So what kind of tacos did you make? I want to see if they're authentic. They weren't terribly authentic, no. So tell us what they were. No, like, But they were authentic in terms of they had the little shells instead of the enormous big things. Okay. So, you know, corn tortillas. lettuce. Uh, some, there were multiple options, yes. Okay, so if they're not corn tortillas, I don't want to hear about it. They're they're not real. Those flour tortillas are an American invention. Yeah. They're still good, though. Yeah, they're still good. So is it chicken or beef, or would you do it? Beef. Beef, okay. Well, I wouldn't have eaten them anyway because I don't eat red meat, so. But I would have eaten, eaten the chicken tacos. Guess what I'm making for dinner tonight, Angelica, for Cinco de Mayo? Enchiladas. Nope, because I Ta-tamales. can't eat. Tamales. I still can't eat. Oh, my God. I'd, I'd, I would have had got. I would have, have to have. Oh, my God. People out there, I need tense help, please. I would have to have gotten up. I would have to have gotten up. I would, I have, would have had, had to, to get have gotten up. I, w- <laughs> <laughs> I would have been rolling those pots and pans out at 4 a.m. to have tamales tonight because mm. it takes that long to do them. So, no, I'm having chicken with, and mole, but not chocolate mole, though. My, my famous, infamous, my you cannot have the recipe mole, five chili mole that I make. It is so good. I'm having that with chicken tonight and um, black beans. And I'm having charred Brussels sprouts a la Mexicana. Oh, mm. I love it's Brussels sprouts. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. People are going to want to come to my house and eat. Yeah, when are we coming it was so over? so good. Remember Medea when she goes, I'll put my foot in it. When she's talking about the food <laughs> she makes. It's so good. I'll put my foot in it. Well, I'm going to put my foot in this mole. It's going to be so good. I'm going to put my foot in it, Walter. I don't think I'll be eating it then. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one who likes Medea? You guys don't know the Medea movies? No. No. Really? Oh my God! Oh my God! They're they're I love those. They're movies. Is that a person, Medea? Yeah, it's uh, it's Tyler <laughs> it's Tyler Perry and his his he actually started a stage uh, a stage a series of stage shows about Medea, and then he started making movies. And I think the first one was Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and then the second one when Medea goes to jail. That was funny. I, I, I won't tell you the route. Then the last one was I think I remember Medea's watching called. Ernest goes to jail back in the eighties or nineties. Yeah. Well, Medea no, Ernest, about Medea, Medea Ernest, the know? same thing. I think you and I are from different worlds, Walter. I, <laughs> you would see Ernest, I would see Medea. Okay, so anyway, so I was talking earlier about the meme contest, right? So we had a meme contest. Everybody out there knows what a meme is. The month of April, uh, we asked people to send memes in, and we had me, quite. Me, me, me. <laughs> Kill me now, Angelica. It's going to be a long hour. It many, will be, yes. We have 53 minutes left. Okay. Um, so we, the, the, we had a meme contest, and we had tons of people send memes in. We had, and we had to rifle through those. We had to comb through those. And uh, we had to figure out who was going to be the winners of the meme contest. So we decided on three. We selected three categories. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think I need some water. Walter, you talk for a minute. You're good at it. Hello, everybody. It's so good to talk to you today. Walter here. Okay, that's good enough. Uh, okay. All right. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, the meme, so the meme contest winners are, ready for this? Drum roll, please. We have the best sound effects in the studio. Okay, the best sound effect. Uh, the best sound effects. The best meme for the BBP meme, where you used a picture of me, was Darren Way for the meme of me and Walter in a lab with with uh, Walter has headphones on and it's me saying, Walter, are you still trying to use audiolingual methodology or something like that? So really, it was a really cute meme. So that was the best <laughs> BBP meme. I wasn't, by the way. Okay, well. And Luke is going to be putting these up. He'll be tweeting these uh, during the show, so you'll see these if you're on Mixler or if you're on, 
on Twitter. Um, the um, second uh, prize we gave out was the best classic meme, which is if you took a meme off the internet that's been circulating for a while and it's been used, and, and there was one that was just terrific. Robert Harrell is the winner of that. Yay! Yay, Robert. So Robert Harrell did a classic meme of, of that, little, that little boy who's looking skeptical at somebody, and I think it was something like, tell me again, People in the United States, no, kids in the United States use worksheets to learn language or something like that. It was, it was really cute. Um, and then finally, we have the overall big prize. I mean, everybody gets the same prize, but this is the overall best meme. Goes to, drum roll please, Grant Boulanger. Woohoo! Yay! Grant. So, Grant, uh, um, it was one of the, um, it was the meme from, was it Hobbit? Or Lord of the Rings or something? Yep. Was it Vito Mortensen, right? Yep. Vito Mor oh, my God. It was, it's just really, really, really good. So, um, and I think it says something about, um, Luca, tell me, put, Luca, put, yeah, one does not simply teach language. It was a really good. It was really good. Okay, so. So congratulations, Robert, Darren, and Grant. We're very happy for you. Thanks, everybody, for participating in the meme contest. We'll be having another contest soon. So the three of them are going to get their little bag of Tea with BVP swag. I think, did Grant win something else in the past? I think he already has a bag. Um, so. I can't remember, but, I mean, that doesn't mean he can't win something else. Well, I else. know. I know. But I don't want people to think we're, like, you know, playing favorites here. We're not. But it was, it, we, we had so many people send out. We were really happy about that. Okay. Um, well, today our show is, it's a free-for-all. So we've uh, romped through six of our seven principles for contemporary language teaching. And today we're asking you to call in with any topics, questions, comments, complaints, aches, pains, diagnoses for Walter's illnesses, disorders <laughs> for me and Angelica, whatever you want to call in about. The number to reach us is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-321. Again, the topic is wide open. We have no theme today. Emma will be taking your phone calls as usual. She's dying to hear from you. Um, again, our phone number is 517-884-4321. And again, don't forget our quizzes. Let Emma know you want to take one of our quizzes. We have our standard SLA challenge quiz, which is not focused today. It's just about a bunch of different things because it's a free-for-all show today. And, of course, our Cinco de Mayo quiz today. All right? So, um, oh, the SLA challenge quiz, by the way, I did structure it so that it's about the principles we've been listening to and oh, talking nice. about. Cool. So if you've been paying attention, it's a really easy quiz. You can get a chance to win some swag. All you have to do is been paying attention the last uh, five or six weeks, and you can be a superstar. All right, we got a phone caller already on the phone. Look at that. The lines, this is like a Jerry Lewis telethon. The lines are just <laughs> ringing off the hook here. We have Lance from Massachusetts on the line. Is that correct, Lance? You got it. Hey, Bill. Hey, Angelica. Walter. Hello, Hello. Lance. Lance, what's are going on in to, Massachusetts? He's calling to fight for number uh, no, one star or one lot. number one fandom um, again. I'd like to ask you about output if you want to talk about that. Oh, gosh. Can we, like, aren't you going to buy me a drink first or something? My God, this is like, you're going to ask me the hardest question up front? <laughs> Why is that the hardest question? I don't know. You always ask me hard questions, Lance. Wait, didn't you want to do the stump BVP thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but we're, we didn't say we are actually going to do it. So don't, don't you try to stump me and embarrass me, Lance, right now. No. In Cinco de Mayo. Nah. This is my Latino uh, holiday, you know. <laughs> I know where you live. I'll come and get you. <laughs> no, I, these are not stump, stumpy questions. That's quite a, You can ask anything you want. This is a free-for-all. So what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about output? 
Um, so I have a I have some examples. I was thinking I'll just describe these examples, and you can just tell me um, if they're output, like just one after another. Okay, but let I'll, okay. I'll prompt you with a specific question. Okay, but Lance, don't we have to define output for? Do, does, does everybody agree what output is, or is that what the point of your call is? Maybe that I think that's what I'd like to do by the end of these. Examples. Okay, so we'll just do a shotgun approach to your examples, and at the end we'll wrap up and then we'll say why I said yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, and yes. Yeah, yeah okay. that'd be awesome. There we go. Okay, uh, first, you, may, you addressed this on one show, but a one-word response, like yes or no, either or, or a fill-in-the-blank, is that forced output? Say that again, yes, no, either or, fill-in-the-blank. What's that? Yeah, like a one-word response. Is that forced output is it forced output a one-word response yes um i don't i don't know about the term forced i don't know what forced uh, means i mean i know people okay. use it but i mean if it's part of an interaction um then it's not forced because it's just part of the interaction so like walter what are you drinking water you're drinking water. See that is that forced output because I asked water Walter what he's drinking. Actually, it's it's I can tell it's, it's a water bottle. It's a margarita. I can tell it is. Yeah. He's he's trying to hide from the authorities here. But no. Right. So Lance, honestly, I, 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 so is that forced output from Walter because I just asked him a question and he answered it. Uh, so it's just part of the interaction. Uh, actually, now I'm very confused because I thought on a previous show it was defined already that if if Walter can give you one word. Mm-hmm. That's what he can do. Right. So that's his ability. Right. I thought that it was defined that forced output would be making him give you more than one word. No, not necessarily. I mean, forced output so, just means making someone talk. I think I don't know. Making may, someone may, talk. Now I know. Now I know that in the literature it might be defined in a particular way. Um, this is actually comes, from, I believe, from Meryl Swain's work and the outgrowth of Meryl Swain's work from the mid to late '80s, um, where the idea is, uh, as opposed to just letting, just giving learners input, that you you have them you have them do things that they they are required to make output. But that idea of requiring to make output always didn't make a lot of sense to me because if you're engaged in true interaction, the output is just natural. There's nothing forced about it. It just happens because it's part of the interaction. So let me ask a question, Lance. Uh, if you mean, so if Bill had asked me, what are you drinking, would it, would it be forced output for me to have to then respond say by saying, I am drinking water as opposed to just responding by saying water? Is that, what, is that maybe the question you're asking? Yeah, I thought that was already said in another show. So if I was being forced by my instructor to say, I am drinking water, as opposed to just responding by saying water, then you're... Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, that would be forced, but, but I want to be careful here because there's that kind of... That's, that's different from output in the sense of out, output is just interaction. If Walter choose... I mean, if you make, say, speaking in complete sentences, then you're taking the focus off the interaction and you're back to a focus on language, which is yeah, then no longer out. Okay. It's no longer output to me. It's language practice. Ah, because so it's not even output because the, there isn't really a real interaction. I mean, you know, like Megan Trainer says, you know, his lips are moving, and I can see that, right? But, but your lips are moving. Your lips are moving. <laughs> um, but, but 
but again, if I'm more concerned about how he's talking rather than what he's saying, then I'm, it's no longer part of a communicative event. And that's why it, it starts to lose its, its shade of being output. It becomes something else, like language practice. Does that make sense? It does. Awesome. That's why, that's why, right, that's why I'm confused. That's why I'm a little bit confused by that. Um, so. Okay, next one. Uh, dictation. You, tell, you say something in target language to Walter and Angelica, and they write down what they hear. Is that even output? That, no, it's not. Again, it's, it's, not part of, it's not part of a communicative event. Okay, so it's, there's no communicative event. There's no expression of meaning in what they're writing down. They're writing down what they hear. Right, and they may not even know okay. what they're writing down. There may, not, there may be minimal interpretation. They could just be writing sounds down that they hear the best they can. Because you've you got to remember what dictation were, were invented for. They were invented in France for little kids in French in, France in first grade to learn how to write because French is like English. Nothing spells out the way it sounds. You know, the sound O in French can be spelled four or five different ways. Right, Emma? I mean, four or five different ways? Like four or five different ways. And so, so dictation were invented in French elementary school. I believe it was French, France, um, to help practice with spelling. Um, and then the, it got imported into language teaching. Don't ask me how. Um, and it was basically used for the same thing. So. Awesome. There you go. What okay. else? Uh, translate these five... Uh, native language sentences into the target language. Is that output? Translate five sentences and no, it's language practice. Language practice. Is, yeah. is this what you would call an exercise as you defined in another show, the exercise, activity, and task? Yeah, it, it could be meaning-based because typically when you translate, you have to understand what you're translating to translate correctly. So there's, there's moderately, moderately some amount of interpretation going on. Um, well, actually, no, because it depends if you're interpreting from the L2 to the L1 or the L1 to the L2, right? So, yeah, so, but because there's no communicative event there, it, it's, it's hard to call it output in some kind of a communicative way. Sure, not even a, okay. Um, you tell Walter and Angelica a story in a target language, and then you give them a piece of paper and say, tell you what, for the next five minutes, uh, tell me that, retell me that story in your own words. Is that forced output as we just defined it early, just in this show? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little bit forced output, yeah, in that sense. Um, what are you going to do with it after they do that? I mean, after they write it out, what are we going to do with it? Well, if you do nothing, it would not be a task, I guess is what you're going to say, right? Well, yeah, because it wouldn't be fully communicative in the sense that they have to understand the story, so there's interpretation going on, right? And then you're asking them to express in their own words what they remember, so then there's expression of meaning. Um, but because there's no purpose that's communicative in the sense of, you know, some, something we're trying to learn, um, like, you know, let's, do it, let's see who has the best memory. If that, were the out, if that were the reason for that, um, then, then we could find out whether Walter, Angelica, or Daniel, or Emma, or Dustin, or Luca, or Jeffrey had the best memory. Who recalled more things? Then that would be a contest, and that has a purpose. Okay, see? So it just depends on, on, on where those things fall. So, so that kind of activity, we have them recount like that in the sense of just quickly retell me what you just heard or what you just read. 
um, has has expression, interpretation of meaning. So it's more like an activity that we talked about that time. Right. Task, activity, and task. I mean, ex exercise, activity, and task. So that falls more in the activity line for me as opposed to a task or an exercise. Okay, I have one more thing to say. Uh, this, I don't Thank God, Lance, much. you have me on the phone here. I'm ready to retire, man. My Social Security office is calling me <laughs> saying, no, I'm just kidding you, Lance. So I read this online the other day. Um, it said, students are regularly asked to translate sentences from the target language into English to demonstrate understanding. This is output. No, it's input. Isn't it? So, if I understood you correctly, they're listening yeah. in. Let's let's say they're listening in Japanese, and they're telling in English what they just heard. Or maybe just here are five sentences L two to L one. Right. Whatever they. I, I use Japanese as an example, um, sure. although I should be using Spanish because it's Cinco de Mayo. Yeehaw! Okay. Okay. To translate so, five Spanish sentences into your native English. Right, and then and then. I read that someone said, "Hey, this is output." No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's not. I mean, and not, not in the L2 context, because in the L2 context, it's input, because they have to interpret that input in order to translate it, but there's no output in the terms of the L2. Right. I almost wonder if, I was surprised that it was misinterpreted this way, that if students do something, like maybe they write something or they say something, that that's considered output in the language acquisition sense to some people. No, what's happened, Lance, can I be honest with you? Terms like, I've watched over the years, people, um, how can I say this without being rude? I don't want to be rude. Angelica, stop me, because Angelica's going to... I will. I will stop you if you're rude. She'll people, kick you under the table. I know. Mm -hmm. You should see. And I got shorts on today, because it's nice weather here, so she'll <laughs> kick me in and get me in the bare shins. Um, but over the years, people have adopted and appropriated terms without really knowing where they come from. And sometimes people use those. They don't know the history of SLA. They don't know really what those constructs are. And so I've heard people use output in ways, kind of like what you're talking about, Lance. And that's not what output was ever meant to be. Output was always learners' utterances or productions within some kind of communicative context. That's always what output meant. Always. It was the inception of the term output in L2 literature anyway. And, but somehow now it gets warped because people... They just bandy these terms about my thinking. And input's another one. I read recently where someone said um, that um, explicit explanation was input on the target form that you're explaining. I know lots of people who would say that. Yeah, yes. and, and, it's, and it's not. So anyway, so that's something we have to deal with, Lance. And you're, you're rightfully, if, you're, if you think you're confused, which I think you were saying earlier you were, you're rightfully confused. So. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to do that. I'm going to get off the phone so you have a ton more callers. All right, we'll do that. Stuff. Okay. All right, Lance. Thanks for calling. Bye, Lance. Thank okay. Thanks, Lance. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I actually have a follow-up question here from Good. Mixler about dictation. Karen is wondering, she says dictation is not communicative, it's not output, but is it valuable? It depends on what you were using it for. If you're practicing spelling, it's valuable. <laughs> um, and, I mean, what else? I mean, it depends on what you're using it for. It's not valuable in terms of communication. And I don't know what else. I don't know what else it could be for. D again, it depends on what you're using it for. Um, now I know that you've talked about something else that's similar to something Lance was just talking about, like reading a story, for example. Uh, but you do something called a dicto gloss. Maybe you could tell why how that is something that uh, 
might be beneficial to use in a language classroom? Um, yeah, I, and how I, it's different than the other things we've just discussed. Um, Addicted glass is for those of you who don't know is when you give learners a very short passage, three or four sentences, for example. With lower levels, it's like super short, like twenty words. Um, but they, they listen to something and then they listen to it twice, and then you put them in groups, two, three people at most, and they have to reconstruct what they heard. Right? And then afterwards they present, groups, different groups present what they heard, and then you analyze it and say, okay, where were your difficulties, what did you hear, blah, blah, blah. Um, though that dictoglass is actually used as a focus on form technique, Walter, for a lot of people, where um, you embed grammatical structures in that dictoglass. And then the idea is that when they're working through, they're hearing it through the input phase, and then they're working through it through groups and trying to incorporate it in their reconstructions, and somehow that helps them focus on that form that's embedded. Um, <clears throat> so it's more of a focus form technique. It's really not part of of activities or tasks for communicative language teaching more broadly defined. Right, but I mean, it's different than a dictation or it's different right. than just reading right. a story. So right, a dictation, a, learners yeah. aren't really mm-hmm. um, reconstructing. They aren't involved with each other in groups normally. So, um, okay, was there something else, Angelica, a follow-up to that? Um, not a follow-up, but Carol was asking if you can please repeat your definition of output one more time. Yes, output was, um, it could be teachers too, but I'll focus on learners right now, is any learner production that's embedded in a communicative context, a communicative event. So if I ask Walter, Walter, what are you drinking there? Water. See, oh, by the way, (laughs) he lost that British accent, see? Water, from a water bottle. Is that really water? It looks like, Angelica, is that really water? Uh, Well, it better be water. It came from your office, so. (laughs) Okay, see, all this this talking that Walter's doing right now is part of this communicative event that we're trying to find out if he's really drinking water, because I'm not sure it is water, but. Actually, we have to thank Carol. Carol brought that water. It is water. Um, so anyway, so so the so output is learner production that's embedded in some communicative event. And again, communication is the expression, interpretation of meaning in a given context, with a defined purpose. That's we've already talked about in the past. So, mm-hmm. not a practice purpose, but a real life communicative purpose. So so that's what that's what output is. So that means a choral response, repeat after me, is not output. No, it's practice. There's a, I make a distinction between those of you out there who'd like to have a handy distinction. There's output, and then everything else is practice. <laughs> output is when you're involved in meaning-making as part of a communicative event, and practice is everything else. For Excellent. When, Thank you. That might be a way to think about it. Okay. Um, we've got, oh, let me do this real quick. Luca just passed this to me. This is great. We had a, um, we're doing these Twitter polls now. And we had one last week we talked about. And this week we had a, this week we had a new Twitter poll, um, which went out. We had lots of votes on here. Gosh, my gosh. Um, this was better than in the Indiana election. So many people voted on this one. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> right. question, the question that we put out How was, many, do, do you uh, think, <laughs> do you think we should move to language instruction without tests and grades? That was the question we put out on the Twitter poll. Do you think we should move to language instruction without tests and grades? And we gave four answers, choices, definitely yes, yes, but, no, but, and definitely no. We put those buts in there because remember the last time people mm-hmm. said they needed a little hedge on the answers. And guess what the results were? I think people said yes. But. Yeah, so probably in, in that yes slash yes, but arena. were in the yes, but definitely yes group. 54% said yes, but 32% said definitely yes. So overwhelmingly, people said some kind of yes, that we should move away from instruction with tests and grades to something else. And then there was 14%, obviously, who said some kind of no. 
couple comments here. Um, Jeff said, yes, but, and then he qualified by saying, we need some way to measure progress. I like BBP's can-do statements. Thank you, Jeff. They're not really my statements. We kind of, Walter and I adapted those from, from um, ACTFL, so they're, they're kind of ours, but, but we have to give ACTFL credit for inspiring us to do those. Um, Kelly said, a good start, placing students in classes based on proficiency versus longevity, um, so some kind of proficiency testing she's talking about. And then Gus said, my yes but indicates that tests and grades are not always compatible. I've done grades, no tests with student portfolios. So he's saying you've got to do something. His yes but I think is you've got to do something, um, but maybe not traditional tests and traditional grading. So yeah, so that's interesting. Good. <clears throat> Okay, we have another caller on the line, it looks like. We have Brian from Michoacan, because in Cinco de Mayo, I have to say Michoacan, which is Michigan in my dialect. <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, my grandmother's from Michoacan. very different My places. grandmother was from Michoacan, that's why I say that. So, Okay, Brian, are you on the air? I am here. Hey. Good afternoon. Hey, Brian, good afternoon to you. How, how's it going? Doing all right over here, just down the road, about a half hour east of you guys. I was going to ask you how far you were. We're not going to tell your exact location because we don't want to, you know, have any stalkers looking you up or anything like that. But, <laughs> but you are here local. We don't. Wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wait, did I say that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to see your Facebook page. Okay, right, so what's up, Ryan? What are you calling about? Well, first of all, I want to thank uh, you and the whole crew over there. You guys have really inspired me. Um, I told my class about uh, three weeks after starting to binge listen to the podcast that I am no longer teaching grammar or vocab directly. And the cheers of joy from the students were through the roof, and I've jumped feet first into creating a communicative classroom with lots of comprehensible input, and uh, it's been, so far, uh, a marked success. I think the students are real happy. And I'm happier, and we're having a lot more fun than having to conjugate verbs all the time. So all right. Well, we have to give Brian a round of applause on that. Good for you. Good for you. I mean, you know, whether it works or not is, is, is and, and whether it works for you and what kind of success you have is one issue. But the applause really are you, Brian, for just sticking your neck out there and trying something new. That's really great. Good for you. Okay. Thanks. And I'm, you know, I've been doing this. Thing, I've been doing this for about 15 years now, teaching Spanish. And so, you know, having to throw away everything is a little bit scary, but. Uh, the successes early on has certainly helped out a lot. Too. Well, you know, there's, going, there's, sure. you can network with people. There's a lot of help you can get out there, a lot of people you can talk to and see, um, and conferences you can go to and so on. And if you, if you need to help with networking, just let us know, and we'll try to help you with that. But anyway, so what, do you, what else is going on? What are you calling about? Well, so next Friday, Friday the 13th, ironically, uh, we have a professional development day, and I have asked for time to share with the rest of my department these changes and what I've been learning through Twitter, through Tea with BBP, and so on and so forth. And um, part of my plan is to show uh, the presentation that you gave uh, at MIWLA like back in 2013. That's on the website. 14, 14. Talk Don't about, make me that old. It's oh, 14. 14. <laughs> oh, okay. My, my, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, also some of the successes I've had, some of the other information that's out there. And I was just maybe looking for some advice that you could give me uh, in planning that, what you think I really should hit hard, what I should maybe pull back on, because I know Rome wasn't built in a day, but um, I think I really feel passionate about these changes, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of hoping to bring about a department-wide change. Okay, I think you have to start from the ground up, if I can give you some advice. If you don't have people who are in the know, if they don't listen to our show, if they don't read on their own, if they don't go to conferences and so on, you might do a little, do a little, back, a little bit of background work. 
I have found that when I focus on three major issues from the outset, how long is your workshop? Uh, we'll probably have about four or five hours. Four or five hours? Okay. Then I wouldn't spend too much more than an hour and a half on this because people like to get into the degree stuff. But you've got to lay the groundwork. It's like laying the foundation for your house, right? You need, they need to understand that what's on page 32 does not wind up in students' heads. That, that language that's in your head and language that's on page 32 of the textbook are not the same thing, right? We've talked about that in the air. Um, so that ha you, have to, you have to start with that. Another thing you have to do is define communication for them and get them to understand that what communication is and, and what, meaning, what it means to make meaning. Okay, so they need to understand that. And then the third thing they need to understand is just the bare basics. I mean, just three or four broad strokes about how acquisition happens. The importance of input, the importance of the mechanisms in the mind-brain, um, and that there, that there are internal constraints that teachers can't override. Those three main points really seem to work with teachers and parents. Do I talk to parents about this kind of stuff when I do PTA kinds of stuff? So those start there at the beginning. Then after that, give them a break, let them digest that, and then you come back and start talking about, okay, let's talk about what this means for the classroom, and from there you can develop your activities and talk about curricular approaches, techniques, tasks, all that kind of stuff. So I would start, that's how I would start. And they're going to have tons of questions. It, it's worthwhile to be mentioning uh, actual can-do statements and how I know you use them at right. Michigan State and how other teachers are using them around, or is that something maybe later on that might be too quick to hit on? Well, I think you should have that ready to go because uh, it's probably going to come up. People say, what about grading? What about assessment? So on. You can say, oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's just touch base on that and have that ready to go. Excellent. I'm pretty scared because I've actually talked to some of the uh, some of my colleagues, and some seem like they're, oh yeah, let's let's do something fun, let's do you know something you know different. This will be great. And others that, you know, and actually I'm the guilty one. I'm the, uh, the the grammar nerd. I've been the one that's for many years been hammering home the need for grammar, and this is why this is such a major change for me. Um, so I have a little mea culpa, <laughs> you know, in in our own approach to it. So. That's oh. the part that I guess I'm most nervous about. Well, everybody evolves. I've evolved. Walter's evolved. Angelica's evolved. We've all evolved. We've all evolved on issues over the years. So, like your hair. Yeah, like my <laughs> hair. <laughs> According to the meme. How about your hair? At least my hair is still my hair. Oh. Actually, Walter, That's you have a full my hair. You still yeah. have a full head of hair, Walter. So. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to make fun of Close Walter's enough. hair. Walter's, <laughs> Walter's got nice hair. It um, needs to be cut, but you know. <laughs> Luca just Luca just texted up on the screen. Low blow, I guess. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I could. It was blow. one of the memes. I didn't come up with it myself. I don't think I could blow on Walter's hair from here. Is that what you mean, Luca? I don't know. Everybody on Mixler agrees that Walter has evolved. Yes. There you go. <laughs> anyway, back to poor Brian, who's hanging there on a thread. On the so Brian, um, so if you you know. It, it, Shoot me an email, whatever, if you need a few more ideas, you want to bounce a few ideas off about your workshop, I'd be happy to help you with that since you're, since you're a local. I don't do that for everybody, so don't call in with a ton of questions <laughs> about how to do a workshop, but I'll do it for Brian because he's local. So, okay. But if, if your school wants us to come down at some point or wants yeah. one of us to come down, we'd yeah. be happy to do that too. Walter, at least I would. I won't Walter and I are free on the 13th. We'll come down and visit you. <laughs> How's that? Hey, if you want to, that would be great. <laughs> Make a guest appearance. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we will, start. we will, yeah, so, oh, um, and Luca's texting us and telling us to tell you to come to Calico. Why do we want him to come to Calico, Luca? Because we're all here. Because we're all here, yeah, so what are the dates on Calico? Him. And we're doing a live show. Oh, that's well, right, next. and it won't 
work because oh. it's it overlaps with Brian's PD because oh. it's the twelfth and the thirteenth on campus. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's not going to work then. Okay, but anyway, but yes, but Brian, you can come to. You're talking about the other Brian, Brian Smith. Not this no, Brian. this Brian. Oh, this Brian. Well, because Brian, you said that your PD is on the thirteenth, right? That's correct. Yeah, but he could come that, on. That overlaps with Calico. Okay. Sorry about that, Luca. It was a good idea, Luca. But anyway. Okay, Brian, well, we're going to let you go. Thanks for calling in. And again, um, let us know. If you want Walter and I to, to pop by, we can probably make our way over to <clears throat> Michigan um, sure. on, on the 13th. I'll let Walter drive because if I drive, it's going to be unlucky. So, <laughs> Okay. Well, thanks, thanks so much for the advice. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Good thanks luck. Thanks a lot, Brian. Good luck. Take care. Thank you so much. Yay for Brian. More, my okay, bye-bye. More applause for Brian. Woo-hoo. Yay. Wow. And uh, he was actually right. It was 2013. 2013 what? The Mywala workshop. Was it that long ago? Well, the sessions. You did something else in 14, but those sessions were the, the ones videos. That are I tell you, yeah, time flies when you're on Prozac, I tell you. Oh, that was one of the memes, too, but we didn't use that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to some um, questions from Twitter, Mixler, and email, but I think, do we have a call coming in? Do we have time to take a Twitter or, or email question? Yeah. I, okay, let's take one. Give me a short one, Walter. I've got one. I, st- I read this to you last week, and we ran out of time, so you didn't get to it. But you just kind of talked about it when you were talking to Brian here. So uh, I just want to make sure that we get it in. This is from Russ in Oregon. He says, you've stated that explicit learning is different than acquisition, and the things we learn are not always what is actually in the heads of our students. I'm interested in informing other colleagues on SLA research and how do we or should we approach other educators about changing their methods to be more research-based techniques without being bullies. So I read that to you last week, and then we got a caller, and so we didn't get to, to answer it. But like I said, you just kind of talked about that with Brian. But Right, right. Without being bullies, I mean, you, you, you always have to start with telling people what you think about learning. But language, communication, learning. You have to bring people along first so they can see, oh, I get it. I get it. So then, then after they go, I see why you say that. Um, and then once you get them there, well, then what does that mean for the classroom, they ask? Or what does that mean for our curriculum? Well, here's some alternatives. Um, so that's why I say you start there. Um, and I don't think people are necessarily bullied. People have very strong opinions about language learning, um, but when they first, this is why, the, the reason people have such strong opinions about language learning is they don't think about language or communication first. People have very, very wrong, in my opinion, ideas about the nature of language. Um, and so unless we can get that changed in people's heads, um, then it's gonna be hard to get them off some of their beliefs about language acquisition. So that's why I was giving that advice to Brian. So so you could be a bully by saying, let's talk about language. <clears throat> let's talk about that first. If we talk about language, that might get us somewhere. Okay, we have another caller on the line. We have a caller from my old stomping grounds, Chicago. Sean, are you there on the line? I am, Bill, how are you? I'm good, Sean from Chicago. So tell us what's going on in Chi-Town, Sean. Ooh, everything I just, is I was, fantastic. How We're alliterative was that? End of the semester, and uh, I'm super happy that I'm actually in Maffold, and I'm super happy that we're almost done with our projects. 
Okay, well, Angelica's so, nodding her yeah. head because she's in charge. Of Selton, she's in charge of that program. Yeah. So. Well, I'm not really in charge of that <laughs> program, awesome. but. Okay, Angelica, <laughs> get on the computer and look up his grade. I want to see how he's doing real oh, come quick. On. See? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to report to everybody out there that oh, how Sean's doing in the mouth. Okay. That's all right. I, I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty happy to tell you that. Uh, Sean, why don't you tell everybody out there in the, in the listening audience what MaFelt is? Tell them out loud what that's, that acronym is. So it's uh, the Masters of Arts in Foreign Language Teaching at MSU. That's online, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, and so if more people want to know about that program and how they can get their MA online, they can find out by going to the website at um, maffelt.cal.msu.edu. Yep, or just, just type in maffelt, M-A-F-L-T, and MSU in a Google search, and you'll be able to take you to it. So, Well, good for, for you, sure. Sean. I'm glad highly you're... highly recommend it. Um, well, great thank you. Great great. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Yep. I think one of your professors might be on the side of the glass booth, so I'm going to shh. We don't want to give uh, him a, yeah, I'm Dustin's student. So. We don't want to give him a big hit. Yeah, Aww. Dustin's in there. <laughs> Dustin, how's he doing? Is Deshaun doing okay in your class? Oh, he's giving us <laughs> a little so-so. He's giving a little so-so sign. Oh, Sean, I'm sure you're doing fine. So what are you calling about, Sean? Are you calling from Navy Pier, by the way? Uh, I'm not. I need to check that out before I uh, get out of here for the summer, but anyway. Okay, anyway. So what are you calling about? Uh, so I've got a scenario that I ran into a lot as a student, and it's probably happening a lot in a lot of classrooms. Um, obviously, on the show, we hate explicit grammar teaching, but let's say you're a student, and you have a grammar tense that you don't understand, and you don't understand the book, and you have a test in three to four weeks, and you need to make yourself understand it by teaching it to yourself. Um, what, how would you, if someone came to you with, how can I make, make sure I understand this myself without the help of a teacher, um, what would you tell them to do? What stimulus would you give them? I am trying to understand the context here, Sean. Let me just back up a minute. Okay. So you start off by saying um, that we, I'm going to change your hate to that we don't okay. like or we don't espouse. We don't espouse explicit grammar teaching for a variety of reasons. Uh, okay. Um, and so then this person has to take a test? Yeah. So let's say I'm, I'm a Spanish three or Spanish 300 level student uh -huh. who has to understand the difference between preterite and perfect in Correct. a month. And my teacher has been trying to teach me explicitly and that doesn't work. And the book's been trying to teach me explicitly and that doesn't work. I have the level that I'm supposedly supposed to have to be able to understand this, but I don't understand it because you can't teach language explicitly. So what would you, for you know three weeks worth of homework, give a student who had a test coming up in three weeks on how to on filling in the blank or whatever um, for that particular tense or any other tense for that matter. Okay, Sean's going to get the first award for stumping BVP because I have no answer for that, Sean, because I, okay. I haven't done that in I don't know how many years. I wouldn't even know how to tell a student to prepare for something like that. And, and, because, again, it, some things depend on the nature of the grammatical topic too, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and there are... And, and for and nine times, not nine out of ten. I'm gonna, I'm exaggerating. I'm being hyperbolic, but half the time, um, fill in the blank test was something like preterite and perfect. It can be either one. Yeah. Ha I mean, ha and so you know, whatever you learn, you know, you don't know what. Who knows what the answer is going to be anyway? So, right. Um, so I, I really, I have no answer for that. I have no suggestion okay. for that poor student. So. Okay, so I shouldn't feel bad about the times that I felt lost when that happened to me in my classes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Great. Okay. Thanks a lot, Bill. Okay. And thanks a lot to Walter and Angelica for being awesome co-hosts all semester and all year, and I look forward to hearing all three of you guys next year. Okay, Sean, can I just ask you for a favor real quick? 
What's up? We're about we're about to take somebody. What? Nothing. <laughs> what was that about? Nothing. Go ahead. My gosh, something must have just happened on Mixler that I'm no, just no, not no. aware of. Go okay. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> You're so cute, Angelica. I love you. Okay. Um, I'm the one who usually laughs loudly, but that was know, pretty good. That was Angelica. good. That was good. Okay. Anyway, um, so um, so <laughs> um, we're about to take a caller who we're going to take the Cinco de Mayo quiz. Okay. But since you're wrapping up your mafelt with Dustin, if you want to do him proud Ooh, and yeah. call back and take the SLA challenge quiz, not only can you win some tea with BVP swag, but you might persuade your instructor to like give you a little extra credit there. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not promising. I'm just saying. So I might uh, I might be so daring. I don't know. Okay. Well, Emma's Emma's got your number, so she might dial you back after we take this other call. So you just you if never she know. does that, then I will absolutely take the quiz. You hear that, Emma? Okay. All right. Okay, Sean. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to take you later. Care. Hopefully. Okay. Right. Bye bye. That was fun. I'm glad we got a mouthful student calling. That was great. I like it. And he likes Dustin. We all love Dustin. I love Dustin. Dustin, I, I imagine Dustin's a great teacher, too, a great professor in his classes, so I, I'm sure of He's that. He's giving us the so-so sign again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have um, another caller coming in, I think, um, who has a question for us but also wants to take the Cinco de Mayo quiz. Am I correct on this interpretation of what I see Hi. on the board? Is this Josh? It is. Hello. Hey, Josh. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Baltimore. Yay! How are the Orioles doing? Oh, uh, well, they're doing all right. I went to the game last week, and we lost. But mm. it, was, it was a fun game nonetheless. Yeah, well, we're doing out here with the Tigers. We're kind of like, well, we're, like oh, we're okay. We'll see what happens. Mm. But anyway, enough about that. Not everybody's a baseball fan. Walter's looking at me like, what the hell are you talking about, Bill? You know I what know what you're talking you know about. What base, you know what baseball is, don't you, Walter? Uh, very much. Thank okay. you. Yes. I just want to yeah. make sure. You never know. I played it for many, many years, in fact. Huh. You did? Yeah. You sure? No. <laughs> they had baseball in upstate New York? Uh, uh, yes. Okay, okay, just checking. All right, Josh, what are you calling about? You have a question before you take the quiz? I do, and actually, first I had a comment. You were just talking about the online MAPL program yes. uh, at Michigan State, and I wanted to let you know that I officially am uh, in the process of applying for that now. Awesome. So I'm really awesome. looking forward to going to that in the fall. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, if you, how well you do on the quiz today, we'll put in a word for you, and we'll, we'll do a recommendation for you. How's that <laughs> to get in the program? <laughs> well, well, I did. I did call in last week and win the quiz, so you can add that to my application. Oh, <laughs> was that okay? And I thought you sounded familiar, but you know, you never know. I could be dreaming things. But anyway, mm -hmm. so do you have a question, Josh? Yeah. So my question is: um, right now, the big buzz uh, in my school, at least, and um, uh, kind of what's going down is um, that we're we're all trying to, we're all being told to put a, a really large focus on uh, critical thinking, uh, and it's just going going down the pipes that that everyone has to figure out a way to address critical thinking in their classrooms. And so, um, having done uh, you know more of the SLA research and and been listening to your show, I thought that I would. Um, kind of create a statement of, of you know, what the, the implications are of that in the foreign language classroom, and I, or in the um, second language classroom. And I thought at first uh, that, you know, maybe there's really not a lot of role for it as it's defined for us right now. The definition is a bit vague and confusing, but it, it all talks about um, students really using reasoning um, to, to engage in their intellectual labor it says, uh, and that they have to actively and intellectually participate in the figuring out process. Um, and um, let's see, um, it's self-directed, self-disciplined, self-monitored, 
self-corrected thinking, um, and it's very metacognitive. Um, and so I was thinking that kind of sounds like the opposite of what we would want if we're trying to uh, teach to this implicit system um, where maybe they kind of shouldn't be being incredibly metacognitive and critical of what they're getting, but rather just kind of soaking it up and taking in the comprehensible input. Um, so I, I just kind of wanted to know what your thoughts were of that and if I'm maybe in the right direction or not. Yeah, I, I agree with you for the most part because um, it's very difficult to critically think out loud and do any kinds of tasks that involve critical thinking in a second language that you don't have control over. Um, and so just it's just almost impossible. Um, right, especially a point I made was that we only have a four-year program. Uh, it's just with the high school in, in our system, and so we're only expected to get up to around the lower levels of, of like the intermediate stage, intermediate, low, intermediate, mid maybe, where you really don't have an ability to do all these things like supporting opinions, hypothesizing, discussing abstract topics, right. and things like that. Because on something like the ACFA scale, critical thinking would be, you know, in the realm of distinguished and superior, and so, or superior and distinguished, and so it's not the kind of thing that you can do in your Spanish level two or Spanish level three classes. I got Spanish in there again for Cinco de Mayo. How'd you like that? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. That, that's something that needs to be negotiated and talked about. Okay. Now, as I thought about it a bit more, then I started to think that maybe it could have a role in certain skills in the communication, like, for instance, um, when they are reading and they have time to take a look at different contextual clues and text clues and organizational um, factors of, of the language, and maybe that could, you know, it help uh, increase their ability to comprehend the what? reading, and that would kind of in a way be critical thinking? No, no, I, I, you're, you're bordering on focusing on language as opposed to content again, so I would dissuade you from doing that. What you could do, for example, is um, let's say you did an activity in which um, I talked about this not too long ago about sleep patterns. What time do people get up when they kind of go to bed? And then we find out the class average and so on. And these are things you can do in the second language, right, at a particular level. And then you put up a chart of what are the actual recommended sleeping patterns for different age groups and so on. Do we fit that group? And then look at the thing critically. You look at the chart and say, why are the hours different for this age group compared to this age group? Now, they can't answer that question to the language they have. But maybe if you put up four choices, choice A, choice B, choice C, and choice D, which is input, they can read those and go, oh, it's C. That they can do in the second language. <clears throat> so you can have critical thinking through an input mode as opposed to an output mode. So it's worth thinking about, but again, those are tricky to do, and you always run the risk of, of falling into a trap. So, but that's the only way I can right. see you doing it that would work in terms of critical yeah, thinking. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of stuff they want to address uh, with the cultural part that we're expected to teach. So I guess could I summarize what you're saying to be that, like, as long as we are delivering like these topics of critical thinking with comprehensible input and maybe providing the answers for them instead of expecting output on their part, it's kind of a, it's maybe not exactly what they're expecting, but it might be a way to incorporate this concept of critical thinking in, in a way that fits our um, principles. Right. I, the way I would phrase it is the following, Josh, is that you're taking the spirit behind critical thinking and making it appropriate for the level and the content that you teach. Okay. That's how I would phrase Great. it. So you're not running away. Yeah. 
and the level and, the, oh, and making it appropriate would be input oriented and making it content appropriate would be for the topics you're dealing with in your classroom there so Great. good good question Thank you very much. tough yep. question okay so uh are you taking the Cinco de Mayo quiz that's what it says on my board I'll give it a shot. I'm I'm a German teacher, not a Spanish teacher, but but uh, maybe I can do it. We'll oh, see. I might okay. need some help. Oh wow, that's daring. Well, we'll see how many. We'll see about that. There we go. We got the music coming back in again. So can you hear me? Yep. Okay, because it's kind of loud in my earphones. I just want to make sure that everybody out there can hear us. Okay. Yep. Okay. So question number one. You ready? Here we go, Josh. Sure. Cinco de Mayo celebrates the Mexican defeat of what country in a battle in Puebla, Mexico, in 1861? A, the United States, B, Spain, C, France, D, the Trump Tower. Hmm, the defeat of, uh, uh, like, in, in the war of uh, the French, I believe. The so answer is C, C, France. Ding, 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 you are correct, yes. It was 4,000 Mexicans against 8,000 French soldiers, and they defeated it in Puebla. Good for you. Okay, number two. Cinco de Mayo is not really celebrated in Mexico, but it is in the U.S. It used to be actually be a national holiday in Mexico, but it's no longer a national holiday. Um, but it is celebrated in the U.S. Where did the celebration of Cinco de Mayo originate in the United States? A, California. B, New Mexico. C, Texas. D, Studio, Studio 54 in New York City. Um, I'm going to go with A. California? Ding, 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 ding. You are correct. Look at that. He just won himself a set of coasters. German teacher. German teacher. Look at that. Okay. Das sind die Besten. There you go. Das ist die Besten. There you go. Okay. Okay. So now, number three. Now you're going for the, the tote bag with your... You already got the coasters. Okay, here we go. Some people think Cinco de Mayo is Mexican Independence Day, but it is not. Which of the following is Mexican Independence Day? A, July 4th. B, December 8th, C, September 16th, D, February 31st. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, could you repeat uh, the answers again, please? Sure. A, July 4th, B, December 8th, C, September 16th, D, February 31st. I'm going to go with C, uh, September 16th. Ding, ding, ding! That's right! Yay! Josh, go you Josh. did it. Look at you. Great for you. Okay, I'm, got, I'm glad to see that going to all those Orioles baseball games did not interfere with your knowledge of Cinco de Mayo trivia. Good for you. Well, um... Or his ability to use Mixler. I'm not exactly, sure. Exactly, or something. <laughs> Who knows what. Yeah, so. yeah, no, thank you to all the, the Mixlers. Uh, so, yeah. well, I was not yeah. going to out you like that, but Walter, of course, did that. <laughs> I was trying to make you look smart, Josh. Okay. Well, Josh, you're a winner, and uh, if Emma didn't get your information, did you get his information, Emma? Okay. So you don't need to stay on the line, and we will get that prize out to you uh, in the mail very soon. So good for you. Well, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye, Josh. Bye, Josh. Be good. Okay. Well, that was fun. He Walter's did well. Like, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he did well. I, I didn't think that quiz was that hard. I thought maybe the one about the origin, you know, what state it origin, but it actually did originate in California. My home state. See? California. We California Latinos, we do it all. Okie dokies. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if we have time to get Sean back for the SLA quiz or not, so we might have to put that off. 
Yeah, Luca's giving me the signal. No time for more callers. Oh, well. Look at that. Luca's a slave driver back there, I tell you. Okay, <laughs> and speaking of Luca, he's going to put the uh, memes out in a zip folder tomorrow. So um, be looking for that on is Where are you going to put that out, Luca? I don't know where he's going to put that out. Um, but anyway, so he'll put that out on Twitter and uh, with the URL and all the information. So whatever, wherever it's going to be, you'll find it on Twitter. So um, you can go into the zip folder and see all the different memes that were sent in, including the three contest winners, Grant and Darren and Robert. God, my memory's good. I remember that from an hour ago. Oh, that's good. I know. <laughs> Quite impressive. Okay. Uh, one thing to remind you all about um, next week is that we're going to be live from the Calico Conference. Angelica, tell everybody what Calico stands for. The Computer Assisted Language Instruction Consortium. There you go. That's what Calico is. not a kitty cat. It's not a kitty cat. <laughs> Calico is an actual group of people. Um, and so they're coming here to East Lansing for the conference, right? Yeah. So MSU is hosting that? Um, yes, CELTA and CLEAR are co-hosts. Cool. And who's the, who are the main speakers, like the plenary or keynote speakers? Now you're asking me questions. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, see, I stumped on Gallica. That's another game we could play, stump on Gallica and stump Walter. <laughs> Not just stump BBP, but there we go. Okay, well, anyway, so we'll be live from Calico. So um, if you're in the area, you're at the Calico conference, come by and say hi. Uh, and it will be our last show of the season. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, as we say our goodbyes, but anyway, so I just had the greatest little SLA quiz about the, I'm going to save it for next week then. I think you should. Yeah. I think I'll save it for next next week. week. So we'll get Emma. Emma's going to call Sean next week to see if he wants to take the quiz unless somebody beats him to the punch. But anyway, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. That was another meme. I'm so tired. (laughs) Um, I think Darren put all these memes out there because he's been listening over and <laughs> I, over and well, over Well, I'm glad again. Darren's doing and that. And he's listened to all of these things that you dun, say dun, over dun, and dun, over and over again. Oh, I just got the news that Emma will not be at Calico with us next week. So who's going to do Emma's job? Dustin's going to have to go back to doing his phone job. That's what happens when people graduate. But Dustin's going to have a dual job because he's got to be the muscle man at the door. Because he's our muscle guy. It keeps the mm, crowds away from yeah. us, you know. Because you know how they like to grab us for autographs yeah. and things. So um, <laughs> Dustin will be there. <laughs> Lucas says if he gets there on time. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't be able to do calls next week, unfortunately, because we'll be in a big auditorium with no phone system. And we're not going to use cell phones. So um, you're going to have to tweet us and yep. Twitter us and yep. internet Mixler. us and yep. Instagram E-mail. us and smoke signal us and however else you Mixlerize us and all that kind of stuff. All right, kitty kid kids out there. Well, it's time to start wrapping up. My God, I can't believe it's already 358. Can you believe that, Walter? It's impossible. It's hard to believe. No, it's possible. It's just, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. So, impossible for a plain country pumpkin to become a golden carrot. Remember that from Cinderella? <laughs> Walter does. He's like bouncing up and down like a little. <laughs> dancing. I have no idea why you're singing. <laughs> that was that mac- macchiato thing. Walter doesn't normally drink coffee, but I got him a caramel macchiato. Okay, well, <laughs> let's say our acknowledgments and start saying goodbye to our good people out there in our BVP land. Uh, we want to thank, of course, as ever, our technical producer, Daniel Trego, who's been doing our sounds and songs today, of course. Our media producer, Luca Giapponi, who's sending me all those those messages on the screen there. Our talented and trusted intern, um, Emma uh, <laughs> Emma Dunn, will not be here next week. Okay. She graduates in how many days, Emma? I know. I don't know. Well, four so days? Four three days. days. 
Well, tomorrow, right? I mean, she's walking tomorrow. We uh, want to thank our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney, and of course, Dustin DeFelice, who's back there in the background helping everybody today. Uh, we want to thank the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA, the College of Arts and Letters at MSU, especially our dean, Chris Long, wonderful dean. We love we love our dean. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, as usual, we thank all of our listeners and fans out there. We love you! Next week is the last show of the season, so do not miss it. And to celebrate, once again, we'll do a no-theme show. It's going to be about anything else that people bring up in the audience at Calico, or you tweet in or anything else. So uh, we, expect, we expect lots of interaction from you all. Until that, have a great weekend. Have a great next week. Happy graduation to all you kids out there graduating. Happy second language acquisition to all. Bye, everybody. Cheers.